0: We finish off James chapter 4 here tonight, where James has been, he begins to tell us how we are to live and think about our lives, how we are to plan, how we are to speak. This particular chapter we told you, this the uh, end of this chapter talks about three questions and uh, we'll go over them here in just a minute. But we saw that there was, last week we saw that there was the sin of leaving God out of our speech. And so he begins to talk about that and his particular thing was evil speaking. That people could begin to evil speak and fall into that. And the type of evil speaking he was speaking about was the type that would judge to condemn. Many people have taken from that that we are never to judge and that is not what he teaches nor is what the Bible teaches. And so we spent a lot of time looking at all the scriptures around this, but we are never to judge to condemn other people. Because there's too much information that we're missing, and we fill in the blanks with things that are probably not even true, and we're just not in a position for that. But if we are to, we we can make judgments on what other people are doing, but then we need to make sure we do the right thing, and the right thing is to approach them privately and to not embarrass them or try to um, uh, put ourselves over them. And so it gave us a lot of the the uh, attitudes that we need to have for that. Evil speaking, no gossip. These are things that fall into, we can fall into. When we fall into it, we become people that break the law. We become a judge of the law, he said, instead of a doer of a law. And if we are a judge of the law, we are not a doer. We are called to be doers of the law. So we rise, we raise ourselves up above God and we basically are saying that God made a bad law. So we looked at all the things, how it is we become a judge of the law and how it is that we actually break the law. We spent our time on those two verses, that was uh, 11 and 12, but now we're going to pick up here on 13, and let's begin to read here, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So we kind of hinted at this last week that some people go on with the thought, they'll, they'll say something, you know, I'll see you tomorrow, or I'll be there next week, or I'll, whatever it is, the Lord willing. We've all heard that. So we want to take a look at that phrase, where that came from, what kind of, uh, is that fitting, is that in line with what it is that he's talking about? But remember his audience, James's audience is people who were once in the church of Jerusalem, and because of the persecution and the things that had come about there, they had become dispersed. And so they were going to various cities in the uh, Roman kingdom, the Roman Empire. And while they were coming to these cities, they found things that they had not seen at Jerusalem. They saw immorality. They saw ungodliness. They saw uh, pressures to become part of uh, uh, workers' guilds, they were called. We would call, call them labor unions. And they had to conform to certain worship practices. And so there's a lot of things that they were facing that they did not face when they were home in Judea before. So when he says that they're making plans, we're going to go to such and such a city, he's talking about people who were in Jerusalem, but because of the pressure, maybe were not led by God to go, but felt that because of the pressure, I'm going to go to this city. We're going to sell this. We're going to do these. We're going to make these plans. And so he talks about this. And as far as future plans are concerned, there's two things we learn from the Word about future plans. First off, life is short. And the second one is death is certain. (laughs) By comparison, our life, compared to God, compared to all the things that are around, our life is short. If we live 60, 70, 80, 90 years, even if we get to the full part of our life, it still is short compared to the overall scheme of things. And death is certain. We will die. Which is good for us. We're looking forward to that because we're not going to be part of the second death. We're just part of the first death and then we go on into eternal life. But the other thing that, that goes on here is that God's plans happen. Whatever God plans, it's going to happen. If God says it's going to be this and this way, we know it is going to be this way. When He writes the book of Revelation and says this is how it all ends, we know this is how it all ends. When He gave prophecies about Messiah, we know this is how it's going to go about. God's plans happen. My plans might. (laughs) They don't always happen. And so he's saying here, you have made some plans. Those plans are not always foolproof. They don't always come about. So come now, you you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. So it, it sounds like from this that, well, we ought to just be in In concern or that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe I just shouldn't make any plans for tomorrow. But this is James telling us about this. And we have have to understand is the only reason we can make plans is because we have a God who is a planner. And God has made great plans. Back in the garden, he's making plans on how he's going to redeem people down here. And it was a good plan. And he put it all together, laid it all out, what he was going to do. God is a planner. So if he is a planner and we're supposed to be emulating him and becoming more like him, then making plans is not the problem. You can make plans. But we have to be careful. He's giving us some warnings here and keep in mind the people that he's writing to when we look at this. So put in your outline, what does this warning of the future mean for us? If the Lord's will, if the Lord wills, we shall. If the Lord wants us to do this, then we shall do this. Now, why would the Lord not want to do it? If, um, I don't know, I just, I listen to some people and, you know, we're, we're, we have church every Sunday. We have church every Wednesday. We all get together. You know, we're family and we get, we know get together and sometimes you may see somebody and, um, as you're leaving, you may say, well, we'll see you Sunday and they'll go, we'll see you Sunday. The Lord willing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And sometimes we can just fall into this and just kind of repeat this things. Well, just in case, you know, just in case the Lord's willing. But our goal as Christians is to get into the Word of God and find out what is God willing to do. Faith begins, as it's been said, faith begins where the will of God is known. It is our role to find out what is the will of God. If I don't know the will of God, I need to get into the Word and find out. Because the Word of God will tell me. If there are some areas, some things specifically about my life, may not be in the word. You may not have something in the word that says thou shalt take such and such a job. There's there's some specifics that are missing there, but I can get the uh, some overall understanding. And when I need specifics, this is where I pray, and as James has already talked about, if anyone lacks, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. He will give us the wisdom that we need. So if I need to know about those things, he can tell me, this is where I need you to work. This is where I want you to work. This is not where I want you to work. The offer looks good, but don't take it. And, uh, and you don't want to, you don't want to do that. Just because something looks good does not mean it's something that you ought to get into. It may be something that's going to hurt you. Now some plan and act as if the control, uh, as if they control the direction and duration of our lives. Missed the letter in there. But some plan and act as if they controlled the direction and duration of our lives. Uh, We, we don't. I don't control the direction. I don't control the duration. God does. I've heard it said by a few ministers who uh, have said, we, we shouldn't be teaching ourselves or teaching our kids. You can become anything you want. Because that's not necessarily the Christian way to look at things. You can become what God has called you to be. That's what you should be aspiring to. But whatever God's called you to be, it's going to be good. <laughs> and he's going He's going to equip you. He's going to give you desires. To, uh, to want to do that. You know, some people, they love to play the, the piano. They love to play the violin. But they also have been matched up with a desire to do it. I was not matched up with such a desire. <laughs> they tried to teach me piano. My mom tried to get me into, this, to do that. I didn't want to sit down at the piano. I wanted to go outside and play hockey and play football and, and, uh, other things like, like that. I wanted to be outside. I didn't want to be sit inside. This was a punishment for me. But for other people, it's not a punishment. This is something that, that it's on the inside of them. If God has called you to do something, he has gifted you with the desires to, to accomplish it. You're going to want to do it. You know, you look at some uh, professions like an accountant. For some people, messing with numbers all day, that would be boring. But for an accountant, it's heaven. They just love being around the numbers. And you wonder, how does God make all these people? This person just loves all the the intricacies of the numbers, and other people can't stand it. And then architects, they love the intricacies of drawing the things out. And other people, uh, you can't can't even understand it when they make a stick figure. We're, We're gifted for what God has called us to be. Whatever God has called us to become, He's put inside of us desires to accomplish it, desires to become good at it. He's given us talents that we need. He has uh, not left us out with all those things. So don't just become whatever you want to be. Become what God called you to be. That's what we ought to be, be going after. And he has set our direction for that way. Now, Paul planned to go some places and God said no when he was about to enter. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phygeria and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word to Asia. So they're approaching Asia. They want to go into Asia. They want to go there and minister the word of God. And God says, no, don't go. Now, if Paul was the one setting the direction, Paul would have gone. But he wasn't. He was going in the direction. But God said, no, don't go in there. And so he didn't. He stayed out of that. And after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them. So here we go, we're going to another place. Well, we're going to go in here and we're going to preach the gospel here. And the Spirit of God says, no, don't do it. Now, why wouldn't God want the, the gospel to go into a particular place? Well, it may be that Paul was more equipped to take it someplace else. It may be that they weren't ready to receive it. it Maybe that another place was more uh, ready to receive. We don't know, but whatever it was, there was a good reason. God had, had a reason for it and he directed him to another spot. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And we know that went really well. <laughs> they they, uh, they didn't get a very great reception in there. Not a whole lot of people took to the gospel. But uh, good things did eventually come out of it. They had a hard time. They had a difficult time. God does not always want you to go to the places where it is easy. Sometimes he will lead you into a place. He will lead you into a job. He will lead you into a neighborhood. He will lead you among people. They seem to be resistant to what God is is doing in you or the word that God has given you. That's okay. If God wants you there, then there's a there's good reason for you being there. Just, just listen to it and do it. And I know there's a couple of times God led me into places and it wasn't going swim, swimmingly. It didn't go smooth. I was not having a good time. (laughs) I was ready to say, God, we missed it. I'm in the wrong place. I took the wrong job. I'm in the wrong city. I had all that going on when I went over there to Tulsa. I didn't like the city. I didn't... Their their lifestyle there was different. And Tulsa was not as bad as those outside. When I got outside of Tulsa, they were nasty. uh, Lifestyle. I mean, I'm used to, let's go, let's hustle, let's move, let's... Tulsa had a hard enough time accepting me. They had a tough time. They thought I was, I told you the story, they thought I was on speed when I first was in there. And they found out on training for the ministry. Oh, I guess they just, it may not be what it is. But, um, and I tried to slow down for them. But um, they just, they go at a much slower pace. And when I had a job that took me outside the city, boy, it was conflict. It was tough. Because I, I, want, I want to go, 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 and, and, and they don't, they don't do that outside of the cities in Oklahoma. They are quite slow down, but, uh, we faced a lot of things, a lot of things I didn't like, a lot of things I hadn't seen before. I didn't like seeing them. I didn't like being here. I had a lot of conversation with God. God, why am I here? Did I miss you? Did I t- follow the wrong thing? Just because you hit hardship, just because it becomes tough does not mean you are in the wrong spot. Just means you gotta get a little bit tougher. And so I got a little bit tougher and after a couple of months of enduring, uh, I didn't want to get up for work. I didn't. I wasn't really enjoying all the things that were going on. I didn't. I couldn't find anything in there that I really liked. I liked sitting in Brother Hagen's class, but that was <laughs> about it. Um, there just wasn't a whole lot that was going on that uh, that I really liked. But after a couple months sticking to it, oh, it started to blossom. It got so good when summertime came. I didn't even leave to come back home. I just stayed there, and it was easier to stay there and keep your life going and to uproot and come back and. And and so forth. But here we see Paul. He's ready to go into this spot. And God says, no. He's ready to go in this spot instead. He's ready. You don't want us to go? Fine. We'll go over here. And God says, no, don't go over there either. Just because you make the plans doesn't mean that you need to go through with it. So he made plans. But when God says, don't do that, he changed them. It wasn't wrong to have the plan. It was wrong to stay with the plan if God said, don't go there. That's what the, the part was that was wrong. Well, then why did God have them go out there? Well, they had to go out that way to get to where they were eventually going to go. So it's, it was not a bad thing. I put this in your outline for you. We can get so focused on what we are planning to do that we lose sight of what we are supposed to do. And that is something we must be careful of when he writes these things. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow... We will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Did you hear any consultation with God in it it 's not bad to make plans, but when you make plans, make sure you you bring God into it and if god 's not giving you any direction, then just do the best thing that seems that, that's, that uh, is there for you to do. Uh, I don't know, God, if you're leading me this way, but this seems to be the best way to go. If I don't get a check in my spirit, if I don't get my spirit telling me, no, don't do that, then we can continue to go on this direction, keep moving in that, that way, and I listen. If God says, put the brakes on, hold on, don't go out there, don't do that thing, then we hold up. Now, as we said, James is writing to people who left for other cities. Maybe they feel forgotten by God. Maybe they left the city thinking that God had forgotten about them. Maybe they arrived there and things weren't going quite the way that they wanted it to be. And they felt forgotten by God. Have you ever been going to a direction you thought God was leading you in that direction? And then as you got there, you're facing stuff and you feel forgotten by God. God, did you forget me? i I'm here. What's going on? Maybe they, maybe they just feel forgotten by God and that you can get some all kinds of feelings that come up with it. Maybe they felt forced to make the best plans they could come up with. Sometimes we're that way. I, I don't feel that God is telling me much to do, so I'm just going to have to come up with the best plans I can, I can muster up. Maybe they felt they had to accept their lack of choice in some matters. All right. Well, I really don't like this choice, but I guess I'll take it because I don't have a whole lot of of other choices, if they feel that God has forgotten them, they might be tempted to leave Him out of their plans. If I don't think that God is even mindful of me being in this new city, because this is what He's writing them about, they're in new cities, I don't even think God is mindful of me being here. I can just get that feeling, well, God, if You don't care, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm just going to go where I want, take whatever job I want, do whatever I want. Because I don't feel that you're you're helping me out, and the devil loves that, because then he can get you to do all sorts of stuff that you shouldn't be doing, following after things, and you, you, we don't want to do that. Don't leave God out of your plans. We've talked about this in, in times past, but if God is not giving you specific direction, do what seems best. If God has another thing, He'll tell you. It's his responsibility by the Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to put a stop sign up. Don't go this direction. Don't, uh, don't go out there for that. Now, he then presents, or well, in presenting this short story, I gave you four things. I was going to blank them out, but I just left them all there for you. Four things here. First off, they made their own determination. This is basically when to go. We'll go today or tomorrow. Maybe God doesn't want you to go today or tomorrow. Maybe He doesn't want you to go. Maybe He wants you to go, but not until next year, next month, or whatever it might be. We make our own determination. We made our own destination. We're going to go to such and such a city. We're going to go here. Maybe God didn't want you to go there. Maybe it looks really, really good from the outside, but God says, "Yeah, when you get there, you're going to face some problems." They made their own designation. What they would do. What we're gonna buy, we're gonna sell. I imagine that means they're going to buy low, sell high. I mean, if you're gonna go into business, that's pretty much what you have to do. Buy low, sell high. So they made their own de- designation. This is what we're going to accomplish. And they made their own dur- duration. We're gonna do it for this long. So they made all that plan without leaving God in there. And we don't wanna be doing that sort of stuff. We gotta make sure that we keep God in our plans. So he's telling them this. Let's read it again. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I have to, um, I have to be careful. I have to be able to adjust on the fly with things. Now, in the uh, the worship team, when we when we meet, we've been going over some some principles on this, and this is one of the principles I, I share with them. I used to be a, a, a uh, chronic day planner. I planned out that you would, I, I was extremely meticulous on this. In fact, when I was going through this for a number of years that I did this, I kept the books and you could tell me any minute of any day and I could tell you what I was doing and where I was. That's how meticulous I was with it. I mapped the whole thing out. Because I mapped the whole thing out, I didn't want a log that I wasted any time. So I was very efficient with my time. I didn't sleep any more than I needed. I, I didn't. I just didn't waste time because I knew I had to write it down in my little book, and and uh, I'd have to come back there. I was I was accountable to to it for that. I only did that for I don't know three, four, five years something like that. I did it for. But then I learned something. I learned it was far better instead of making the plan for the day to make the plan for the week. Because if I made the plan for the week and God says Steve I need you to go over here and do this or God changed my plans up, it was a whole lot easier to fit that in. And I didn't feel like I lost everything. I just said, all right, I'm a lot more flexible that way. My mental state was. Now, your mental state might be different on that, but I just, I ended up being a lot better. This is what I need to get done for this week. And as we took on Monday, we just try and take things out of the week plan instead of just having the whole day planned out. And if something happened, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but if something happened, I'm not thrown. This is what we have to make sure that we do. Don't make plans that are so tight that God can God cannot call on you to use you. What if we're out there and we're at the store, and we run into somebody who needs us, who needs some help? Well, I I'd love to help, but uh, I just I just can't. And I'd be like the Pharisee who passed by the man on the road. I'd be like the priest who passed by. The man, well, I don't have time for this right now because I have a bunch of things that got to get done today and I need to go. We don't want to be that. I want to be someone that God can say no matter what they're involved with, they will take time if I lead them to go over here and take care of this. And so we want to make sure that we have time for those things So make sure, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Now, some translations put it this way, and I kind of like it better. They don't put it in their vapor because we don't always think about vapors. But the the idea is, you know, in the wintertime. Thank God that's behind us. In the wintertime when you it's cold outside and you breathe out, what happens? You see your breath. I see the, the, the water particles that come in. But you don't see it for very long. You breathe it out and then it kind of dissipates and it goes away. But a better example of this is fog. You wake up in the morning and there's fog all out there. And it's not going to last forever. It's going to go away. Sometimes it's an hour. All all that has to happen is the sun comes up and it just kind of takes it all away. But you, you look at fog and fog is basically just water particles. So small and so light, seemingly unaffected by gravity, just kind of hovering. Floating there, neither going up nor down, just kind of staying around and and uh, making your visibility tough. Can't quite see out there. I, my truck's got uh, fog lights on it, and they do make a difference. If you have a car that has fog lights on it, you know, they can get underneath that and does does help out to be able to see a little bit better. But after a while, that's all going to go away, and he's saying your life is like that. It's a vapor. It's here, and it's going to be gone. So keep that in perspective. It doesn't mean that you're not significant. It means that your time is short. You won't be here all that long. Paul's life was a vapor. Was he significant? He surely was. Jesus' life, 33 and a half years, that's, that's kind of a vapor. But was he significant? Abraham, he was here longer. But you see, it doesn't matter how long you're here, you can still be significant. And that's what we want to go with, will be significant if we do the plans that God has for us. If I do my own plans, people will forget you. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. So, just stay stay loose on this sort of stuff. You don't have to get always be mindful, Why well, I may not see you tomorrow, because I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. No, I go on like tomorrow is going to happen like today. That's how I go on. If I saw you all last Sunday, I'm fully expecting to see you this Sunday. If I go into to, to work, I fully expect to see the people that I work with on Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday. I fully expect to see them there. That's my expectation. Now, different things can happen, and when stuff happens, you know, you make adjustments. But just just understand, if I follow God's plan. Then God already knew those changes that would come up. And they won't throw me as much. God already knows, well this is, this is what's gonna come up over here. This is what's gonna change over here. And if I stay with God's plans, we're okay with that. Now, if you, if you think of this, God knows the changes that are coming up. But He does not always reveal those changes to me. Sometimes it's just not that that important. Sometimes the change that's coming up would be such a distraction it's better that I don't know about it. (laughs) I'll be spending all my time getting ready for that change. I was thinking about this with the life of Joseph. Joseph had the dream. You remember the dream, the one where his brothers came up and the second dream where his mom and his his father came up except his mom wasn't there when that dream actually came about. So I thought about that. I why do you think that happened? Well, if God had left the mom out of the, out of the dream, then He would have been focused on why is mom not there? So instead, we're just putting mom in the dream. I know it's not going to happen that way, but it's okay. If she was alive, she, uh, she would have been doing the same thing. So we just don't let that be a distraction. If I don't know about it ahead of time, it's just because I don't need to know the distraction. And God will take care of it then. Remember Jesus said, don't make plans when they bring you before the courts. Don't make plans. I'll give you the words that you need to speak. That's just a distraction. You don't need to be messing with that. When you, when you get called before there, I'll give you the words to speak to be the witness that you need to be. Don't, don't fret about it. Don't worry about it. Don't get all caught up about it. And so that's how you should live your life. But I don't go around. You'll never hear me, probably have never heard me say, well, Lord willing, I'll see you next, I just, I don't say it. I'm not saying that you're missing it if you do. I'm just saying I don't. (laughs) That's all. But it's in the scriptures here. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But just always have this as a mind frame. You know, certainly, if the Lord comes back between now and Sunday, we will not be here. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. (laughs) I'd get excited about that. Now how, how many know if we knew about that ahead of time, it would be a distraction? <laughs> Boy, I would be distracted. <laughs> Life would change. Oh man, that would be... But, uh, that's not a distraction that we're supposed to know about or supposed to have. So don't, uh, don't be messing with that. You remember there's a, a, a parable that Jesus told? He told about the unfaithful servant. If the unfaithful servant knew what time the master had come home, then he wouldn't have been doing all those other things, abusing the servants and, and so forth. Uh, but he didn't, didn't know, and the master came home at a time he didn't expect. And uh, it wasn't a good situation. So I don't know what tomorrow necessarily holds, but maintain your integrity. Maintain your honor. Do what God says to do. And when God leads you, listen to him. You may have the best run plans, but if God says uh, don't, then, then don't do it. I think I've told you the story, maybe, maybe once or, or so before. But there was a time we were as a family we were planning on going vacation. I was a little kid, and we were going up to the Poconos. One of the uh, there's a lake that was up there. Uh, I don't remember the name of the lake, but we went up there about every year. We went up there for for a week, and we were getting ready to go, and we were getting ready to leave. And I believe, if I remember right, at the time we had this green Dodge that we would drive in, and it um, uh, wasn't like, you know, the minivans, and all the other bigger things, it was a two-seater, we had a row of three s- seats in the back, and one, two, three, all three kids, at the, the time, we were the, the three of us, and we, we sat on in there, and then we would be hitting on up, and for some reason, that car was a pretty decent car, but for some reason, it wouldn't start for us, and Dad was out there, I'm, you know, I'm totally useless, I'm just a little kid, I'm, I'm not all that helpful now <laughs> for her car, but um, I certainly was was certainly useless. And, and it just wouldn't start. He went out there, turned the key; it would not start. Waited for a little while, came on back out again, turned the key; it still would not start. And so um, we didn't know what to do. We we're you know we we're supposed to be getting up there, and so eventually the the car does start. I don't know if it was an hour, hour and a half, it was, whatever time it was. We were delayed, and we finally get on the road, and we head on out to where we were going on vacation. And all along the way, we we uh, saw there was a bunch of cars on the, the side of the road, and we were kind of just driving on through. But as it turned out, we found out the news later on, that there was a shooter who perched himself up on a spot and was shooting at cars as they were driving on up the, the road. And uh, he hit some of them. And uh, my dad timed it out and he told us, he said, boy, I figured it out. If we had left when I intended to leave, when we planned to leave, we would have been driving through there, same time those shots were being fired. And uh, instead we weren't. So you can get frustrated, you know, why doesn't this work in the name of Jesus? <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can, you can get going, but just uh, stay relaxed about the plans. Just understand that God is the one who makes all the plans and he makes plans knowing what stuff in the future is going to happen that we're don't even we not even aware of. Stay relaxed. Stay good. Follow after the Spirit of God. If something happens you can't explain, don't get worried, don't get anxious, don't get fretful. Just go on through. Father God, I thank you that my steps are ordered of you. I don't know what's going on up here. I don't know what's happening, but I thank you that I am where I need to be because I am listening to my spirit stay listening to your spirit because he'll, he'll instruct you he'll help you on this so then we come to verse 16 but now you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil now I like how the New Living Translation put this otherwise you are boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is evil see if we have our own plans and, and we, we succeeded them we go to this city we buy and we sell and we make a profit and we do pretty well over there look at what I did and see, so this is the kind of boasting. He just says boasting, kind of look at that and say, well, just, what kind of boasting is, is wrong here? Is, is all boasting wrong? And people have gotten this idea that we can never take credit for anything that goes on in our lives. Mm-hmm. And you have to be careful about it because you can get the wrong attitude in, in that. But if somebody wants to come up to you, you, you sang a, a song in church, you helped somebody, and they come up to you and say, I really want to, I really appreciate that, love the song you sang, minister to me, love the, whatever it was, and instead we say, oh, no, 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 all glory to God, and just, no, sometimes you just need to sit on back there and say, thank you, thank you, God used you, God put certain talents and abilities in you, God used you, and you were obedient, and if somebody wants to come up and say, thank you for just say, you're welcome, Even thank you for, for mentioning that, that's That's good. But the, the boasting he's talking about here is when I make my plans and I've left God out and they come to a place of success, I boast about myself. And maybe we tack on, yeah, well, of course, you know, God helped me out with this, but it's this what I did. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't be doing that. You, you are, you are but a vapor. Just keep that in mind. I'm only here for a short time. I do what God tells me to do. Uh, if I do what God says to do, He empowers me and good things happen. But now you are boasting your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. That arrogance can take over people. I put this in your outline. Planning without God at the center will lead you to overconfidence in your abilities, arrogance in your attitude, and boasting with your mouth. And he's been talking a lot about the mouth here in the book of James. But we don't want to become overconfident in our abilities. My abilities come from, from God. And, uh, and don't be overcome, overconfident with that. Don't get arrogant in your attitude. How many of you know some arrogant people? They don't win any points for us, do they? You get around that arrogance, what do you want to do? You just want to kind of get away from that. I don't, I don't want that arrogance. You want that humility that is there. James has talked about pride. He's talked about these things that, that come in. Don't get into a place of arrogance. Don't get into a place where look at what I did. Boy, God is glad I am on his team. God says, I got people that will step right in your spot. If he's got somebody who can replace Elijah, he's got people that can replace me. Piece of cake. He tells Elijah, I got 7,000 people that are ready to step into your shoes. You want them to? <laughs> don't, don't be thinking too high of ourselves. God has replacements but he'd rather use you. So planning without God, don't get into that. Make sure that your plans are with God and then when good things happen, certainly it's, it's easy for us to give him the credit for it. Now what are the qualities of arrogant boasting? I want you to take note of this because of how it ties in with some of the things that go before this. The qualities of arrogant boasting are first off, ignorance. Arrogant people are ignorant of many things. When you are listening to somebody who is arrogant, what are you thinking about? Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what was there. You don't know what went on. You don't know about this. You hear that arrogance because they don't know what has gone on. They don't know. There's something they don't know that you do know. And that's why you can see their arrogance that comes in. So The first thing is ignorance. They're ignorant about something. And the greatest ignorance is they're ignorant about how great our God is. Second thing is assumptions. Arrogance does not come without certain assumptions being made. I can assume about how great I am. I can assume about how little you are, how insignificant you are. There's some kind of assumptions that will come out. Ignorance, assumptions, and the third one is pride. These are qualities of arrogant boasting. They are proud people. You do not get to be arrogant and be humble. There's pride that is involved with that. Now, it sounds a lot like the qualities of evil speaking, doesn't it? It's probably the same thing that leads, the same thing that leads to us seeing others so poorly. That we have evil speaking. Don't be doing that. Don't be following after that. Ignorance, assumptions, and pride. We don't want to be following in those things. So is all boasting wrong? Should I just never say anything about what God did? Now, you have to be careful. There's some people, I I know I've related the story be, before, but there's a, a, one particular minister. <laughs> I was in, the, in the, their presence and all they kept talking about was what God did through him. Well, God did this and God gave me this word and God told me this and that came through and then God told me this and then God did this and boy, I got so tired of hearing what God was doing through him. That i I said something, and uh that was the last time we were invited over <laughs> that 's all right i didn't mind i wouldn't have gone anyway i just i don't like that kind of arrogance i don't like that kind of pride that comes in, but this is what they had done in Galatians chapter six now some out- i think all the outlines you have in here uh Because some people didn't make it out. So uh, about half the outlines were missing some of these scriptures. So if you're missing any of these, you can just write these in. But Galatians 6, 3 through 5. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That does not say that you cannot think yourself to be something if you are something. It says if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Jesus does not say, don't think highly of yourself. He says, don't think more highly than you ought. It is not wrong to have a good, healthy opinion of yourself. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you do not love yourself, you will not love others. If Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself... Then the first thing we have to come to is you have to love yourself. And the enemy hates that. He tries to get people to hate themselves. To not love themselves. Put themselves down. To see them, look themselves in the mirror and say, oh, I hate what I see in the mirror. Oh, I don't like this person. Oh, I'm no good. And they they feel so bad about themselves. If you feel that bad about yourselves, you will not be equipped to love the other people that are around you. No, we gotta be in that middle road. The middle road is always the tough plot, spot. Either you, the devil wants you to ditch on this side or the ditch on that side. Either he wants you thinking so lowly of yourself or he wants you to think so highly of yourself. Don't. Don't get into that. Think right in the middle. Right where you should be. Know who you are and think of yourself as that. As, as that. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing. God doesn't want you to be nothing. He wants to make you into something but see yourself as being made into something by him. He deceives himself, but let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. It's it's not that I can't talk about the things that God has done or the good things that are going on or the talents and abilities I might have. You know, if a person has practiced playing the piano for 20 years and they get up to the piano and say, well, I don't know how to play that. Well, I thought you'd been practicing for 20 years. Yeah, but I'm no good. No, 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 no. We need you to, to step up and to and to do that. Step into the areas where God has given you some abilities and understand what those abilities are. Well, I know that that's that's something that I can do. I, ha- I have that ability to, to accomplish that or to get these particular things done. So know who you are and think highly of the things that God has given you. Think as highly as you ought to be thinking about that. Just don't think overly highly. Further down in verse 11. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. There's a boasting that goes on. Say they want to boast in. See what we did? We, we took this person. They were nothing, and we brought them in, and we got them to do the law. Look at how how good law-abiding Christians they are. They obey and do the things. That, that's us. We did that. We brought them out. Of, they were nothing before we got hold of them. That's the wrong kind of boasting. God doesn't want to see that kind of stuff going on. But that's what they, these were doing. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul did boast about this. Yeah, I was nothing. Came to the cross, God made me into something. He's okay with boasting about that. He didn't have any problem talking about how, how bad he was, how much he opposed the gospel. But God took me out of that and God brought me into this place. That's what he would boast about. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. What we do in the natural doesn't have the same effect as what happens in the spiritual. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the, the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Now this is something he would talk about. He would tell people, say, you want to say you're an apostle? I got the marks of my body. I've, I've taken beatings. I've been whipped. I've been stoned. He's not boasting about it. He's not boasting about it. He said, look who I am. Look how great I am. What he's saying is, I stood up for the cross. I stood up for the gospel. And people came after me for it. But that's okay. We're going to still keep going on. 2 Corinthians twelve nine. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, and for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly... I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. A prideful person needs to cover up their weaknesses. They need to hide them. I can't let people see that I struggle with this or that I once did this or I once walked in this way. They're prideful. They're not humble i got to hide these things. But Paul, he didn't hide it. Hey, I came against the gospel. I put people in prison. I even went after the women and the children. But God appeared to me in the road, told me I was doing wrong, and straightened me out. That's a humble person. I can talk about the weaknesses that were there. I don't try and cover them up. But we turned it around. I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you for nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles even uh, though I am nothing Paul sees himself as nothing compared to God but he sees what the gospel and the power of God in him has accomplished and that's what we can see Paul was not some little man that people would just push around you didn't push Paul around Paul would stand up to you because he's, he's going to have the gospel go out he's going to stand up for the gospel you're not going to cause him to back off just because you throw some stones at him or put him in prison or tie him up or beat him. He's still going to go out there and do it. So it's not that we can't boast. It's not that, oh, I, I feel like I was boasting. I was, I was doing something. No, if, if you can, if you can sing, if God has given you the ability to sing and you stand up there and say, well, I can sing, that's not boasting. That's just acknowledging what it is that God has, has done. If you can play the piano, lead people on music, there's nothing wrong with standing up there and saying, Well, I can do that. God has gifted me in these, these things. There's nothing wrong with that at all. You're not boasting. You're talking about what God is doing and is able to accomplish through you. Glory to God for that. Let's look at verse seven, <coughs> 17, or last verse here. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, to him who knows to do good, this word good is a familiar word for us, kalas, those things distinguished in form, excellence, goodness, usefulness, so as to be pleasing. These are are nice. It's it's also the same word that's used when it describes him as the good shepherd. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it. Now, the good you know to do here in this context is first off the, the good to love others, not speak evil about them, not gossip, not talk, in, in a judgmental, condemning tone about other people. But the good we know to do is to love others. If I know the good to do is to walk in love to other people and I don't do it, this is what he's talking about. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Another thing is to not condemn, to not judge in a condemning way. So to love others and to not condemn There would be two things right there. Here's a third one, to not speak evil. That's a tough one. How, Since last Wednesday, how many of you have been a little bit more mindful of how easy it is to slip into evil speaking? How easy it is to just start talking about other people in a negative way. And James is saying, don't be speaking evil. Don't be doing it. If I know not to speak evil and I engage in it, that is wrong. That is sin he puts here in here I even put this one in to exclude God in your plans because that's part of his context if I know that the good is to keep God in my plans don't exclude him so judging to condemn evil speaking and not walking in love planning without God will lead us to not doing what God said is good to do and this has been called the sin of omission not all sins are sins of commission Not all sins are sins that we do. Sometimes it's something that we don't do. Certainly, with the parable of the good Samaritan, what was on display there was what they didn't do. That's what he was he was pointing out for them. What they didn't do they didn't go over there and help. He spoke about the one who did. To do what we know we should not is a sin of commission. To do what we know. We should, to, to not do what we should is a sin of omission. But both are called sin. Now these verses point out the folly of an arrogant, independent attitude towards God. It is folly to have an arrogant, independent attitude toward God. My attitude towards God is the first off, I don't operate independent to Him. I am a dependent on God to help me. Whatever I do, whatever plans I make, I am dependent on Him to help me. That doesn't mean I stand by idly and don't get anything accomplished. We've used the example before, but if you're going through the the uh, grocery store, you don't need to. Well, God, should I buy? Should I buy lunch meat this time? Or maybe I should buy some ground beef. What, what should I buy? I don't know. What I? No, God will just say, What do you want? <laughs> what are you hungry for? <laughs> and these are the things. There's some things we just need to go on through and just make our own decisions about, and God's fine with it. If God has a problem with you buying the ground beef, if you, maybe that ground beef is tainted, He may tell you in your spirit, "Don't buy that." He's not saying ground beef is bad; He's just saying at that time maybe something was going on. Just listen to your spirit. But the next time you go in, probably it's fine to buy whatever it is that you you didn't think that you ought to buy. Don't get into a place where, well, everything I do—I've seen people this way. Everything they do, well, God has to tell me that I can do it. I don't know if I should go put gas in my car today. Well, is it near empty? I would suggest you do it. It's it's a good thing to to go out there and to, and to do those things. God expects us to do the normal planning, to do the normal things that go about in a day, but always be listening to Him, because He may be telling you something uh, something different. He may you may have a a particular place that you stop for coffee. I don't have that because I don't I don't like coffee. But <laughs> you if you like coffee, you may have a particular place. A Wawa, a Dunkin' Donuts, whatever it might be, and this is the place that you always go. And maybe God says, "Don't go to that spot today," and He sends you to a different one. And you go on in there. Maybe there's somebody in there that you needed to minister to that He was sending you to. Always be looking for these things. God will change some plans on you. It's not doesn't mean those plans were bad to have. Doesn't mean that it it's bad to have a, a Wawa or a Dunkin' Donuts or you know where I went to school was Quick Trip. That's where everybody went to. They had the quick trips. And um, if you wonder what a quick trip is, look at Wawa. Wawa modeled themselves after it and changed all the stores to look like quick trips. Except they're different colors. But if you go into a quick trip, it looks just like a Wawa. <laughs> they were the ones who, I guess, uh, invented that type of a store. You know, with the guests and uh, just the insides the way they are. If you're going out there and you'll see that, that's uh, what's that was going on. But they, their main color is red. There's red all over the place with the, with the quick trip. Uh, Wah-wah, of course, is, is a little bit different. But just be listening for things like that. God wants to be able to say, well, I wonder if we can get a hold of, get their attention and steer them over into a different direction that there might be something that you can do. Always be looking. Even if you stop in your normal spots, be looking around. God, is there someone here? You don't have to always ask them that. Just stay, stay listening to them. And as you look across the way, God may lead you. Yeah, go talk to that one and uh, just go on and strike up our conversation. Doesn't mean you have to lead them to Jesus Christ right there in the in the place. That may not even be the purpose. But there might be a purpose for you finding them. But be listening. God's got some plans. He is a planner. Sometimes we plan, but we don't pray. Or if we do pray, it's to bless our plans. (laughs) God have made some plans. Bless (laughs) them. But if we just get a hold of what he wants us to do, his plans are already blessed. I made this note. It's not on yours, but you can write it down if you want to. When we leave the choice to God, God can choose the best for us. God wants to choose good things for His kids. He wants to choose valuable things for His kids. He wants to 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 find things that would be valuable to you, things that would be useful for you. These are the things He would choose for you. If we follow after Him, He'll lead us into those. But you gotta listen. You gotta be ready. So in these, these verses, 11 through 17 here, in this, he's talking about don't let your words go in a direction where you're evil speaking because you're passing judgment on other people and you're passing judgment on the law. And even worse, you're passing judgment on God. You're sitting in his seat. Don't be doing that. When you're making plans, Understand he's the one who's in the head seat. Listen to him. If he's not giving you direction, then do the next next best thing. Just like Paul did. Paul, well, this is where we're going to go. And as he's getting closer there, he's listening. God says, don't go in there. Okay? That's how he'll lead you. Just listen to him. And as you're moving on through, God will say, all right, you're here, but that's not where I wanted you to go. I want you to listen. I want you to Go over here. Whatever it might be. He'll help you out with it. And just just go with the flow. Whatever plans that you have made. Maybe you made some plans. You didn't know all the things were going to happen today. It's all right. God did. As long as you made your plans. Listening to him. God didn't let you make plans that would keep you out of what you needed to do. He would have warned you. No, don't make that plan today. Don't be heading that direction today. Oh, Father, I thank you that you are so concerned about all the things that we do. You're concerned about our plans. You keep in mind what is ahead for us in life. You're concerned about our words, our attitudes, because if we keep these things right, you are able to bless us, to give us things that are beneficial for our life, beneficial for where you're taking us, beneficial for what you've called us to. And I thank you for the great things that you lead us to. And though our life is only a vapor, it's not here long, and a big scope of things, but when we do what you tell us to do, our life can be significant. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.